Welcome everyone who's listening along in uh, podcast world. I am here with uh, the fabulous Eva. Hello to you. Hello. We're using the magic of technology uh, to talk between uh, states uh, and the magic of technology is somewhat limited in Australia. So apologies if we get stutters. Yes. Yeah, We. I think that's something that we should have as a disclaimer on every episode is that we are in Australia. Our internet is shit. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yes, it, we get worse compared to the world every year. I think we're seventy something in the world at the moment. Fun. Yeah, and it just keeps getting worse. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, we we are going to uh, talk today uh, about a subject that uh, Eva's written about. Well, I, I I feel I can call you an expert on this. You've written for many publications. Uh, on yeah, I, I hate the term expert. Um, I, well, I don't hate it in general. I hate it for myself because I, I suffer from crippling imposter syndrome for a lot of my life. So I, you know, but yeah, I know a lot about it. It's a passion. It's something that's really means and, and I feel strongly about. So yeah, in that sense, I know, I know my own feelings about it, my own stuff about it. Um, but I, a danger speak for anybody else's experiences either. Yeah, speaking of disclaimers, while we are going to be having a conversation here and putting uh, forward opinions, this is one of, I mean, most areas are like this, but this very much so when we say stuff, there is going to be an asterisk with your mileage may vary. Yes, yeah, and especially when speaking of uh, the experiences of people in, in especially in minorities, um, that are that are often you know denigrated whether it's people of color whether it's sex workers whether it's people with disabilities you know the, the experiences are so broad and and people within those sort of minorities and within those groups and communities often get really frustrated because there are only a few voices that speak and they often seem to speak for everybody and so i try and make it very clear in a lot of this spaces that I speak about this sort of stuff is that I speak from my own experiences and my own um I guess my own feelings from from things and they're very different I do come from quite a privileged place as well and I think that needs recognition especially in talking about sex work where there are so many people that that don't have the privileges that I have and have had in in the industry so so yeah there's my disclaimer this is that this is all my stuff <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't think i've actually explicitly said the topic is um yeah. sex work versus sex trafficking and yeah. i wanted to talk about this because there's a big story in the us with a scumbag by the name of jeffrey epstein who's a close friend of trump's uh has been known this is one of these gross open secret things everybody mm -hmm. has known about this for decades decade or more at least that this guy was procuring underage girls on false pretenses and uh forcing them to have sex you get horrible people defending it but legally there's no consent with someone who's underage they yeah, were yeah. and by all accounts they were tricked they were tricked and coerced uh, and he didn't do it once or twice it's a pattern that according to some stories went on for many, many years. And he was uh, let off with like a slap on the wrist on one charge. And it turns out the prosecutor who brought down the severity of the charge against him now works for Trump. And Trump's got to be sweating a bit because Trump's been associated with this guy for a long time. Yeah. Um, but the reason I wanted to have this conversation is to avoid people saying, you know, hypocrite because you know i try to be supportive of people with different lives to me try to be sex positive um I've interviewed a few different people on my youtube channel over the years who've been involved in different facets of sex work and i'm very supportive but this guy is an exploiter he is a trafficker for, for you eva what's what's a simple definition of the difference between sex work and sex trafficking I suppose the broad definition would be autonomy and freedom of choice. 
Um, a lot of people will then say, oh, but, you know, there's a lot of people that have no other choices and this is where they've ended up, but you've still got to understand that that's still a choice um, to, a, to a degree in, in a lot of these senses where people are, are making choices that they might not make in other situations in their life. Um, when it comes to trafficking, there there is no choice. It's a forced, um, prisoned, imprisoned kind of situation. In in when it comes to say forced trafficking of migrant workers, um, passports are taken, um, rooms are locked at night. They're only sort of you know very rarely out in a community sense and without you know a minder. You know they'd never have a, a minder nowhere near them. Um, so, so it's a really, it's a, it is a, a tricky um, because we do talk about that broad uh, definition of sex work. Uh, but trafficking, trafficking is is a, a forced labour situation where people are held prisoner um, and and punished if if they're not um, if they don't if they don't perform the, the tasks in which they've been set. I suppose. Um, it's it is tricky, especially talking about the Epstein case. And I see a lot of these sort of quotes and memes and posts going around about how journalists should be referring to these victims and to the the people that have been um, uh, raped essentially, because that's what it is when there is no consent being able to give, um, which is what happens when you're under the age of consent. You you legally cannot give consent, and therefore it is rape. And so the the um, the suggestions going to journalists is things like don't call it underage sex, call it rape, which I agree with. Uh, don't call them, um, you know, don't don't call them underage sex workers because sex workers, um, again, have to be of age and then so it's rape in that sense. And one thing that's, that's a lot of sex workers, especially survival sex workers, are sort of speaking up about in that sense is that, there are so many facets that go into young people under the age of, you know, 18 or under the age of consent that go into sex work that that's a whole different conversation in itself. Um, I'm not sure if I'm explaining it quite, quite well because I think I've gone on sort of three different trains of thought. But, um, but yeah, the, 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 the reasons that... that um, well, well. To, to answer your first question, then we can go and elaborate on the other stuff. Is I, I believe that the the main difference would be autonomy and choice um, of uh, of of your 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 body and what what's being done to it and what you're doing with it. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, the two main groups that you normally think of when you're talking about sex trafficking is, and it's, I'm pretty sure it's. For trafficking, it's like universally women just about. If we're talking about, uh, I'm, okay, the two groups, I'm talking about it's children and women who are taken usually from one country to another. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, in one case, uh, if, if you're anything approaching a decent human being, you recognise that a child can't give consent legally, so anyone who has sex with a child is by definition raping them. And yeah, these women who are trafficked, particularly across borders, so and it does happen within countries as well, but it's um, seems to be mostly cross border. That yeah, they're held prisoner. They're not given a choice. They're uh, either with actual violence or with threat of violence, forced to go through with it. So again, that's not consent. Mm. That's right. And especially like if you look at the American situation we were sort of talking about earlier with just in America in general, with the whole pimps idea. And that is a yes. form of trafficking that is sort of almost sort of held held up or, or allowed to happen because of the laws that then stop sex workers being able to find, you know, proper help and protection from the law and proper, um, you know, just, just rights in general to, to do the job that they're doing. And so then in that case, then they turn to, to pimps who offer that protection or that promise of, you know, protection overall um, and jobs and, and all that. And so, you know, when, when 
you take away those those laws and you, you put, replace it with decriminalisation and, and the, the rights of, of men and women in the industry to work their, their trade, the trafficking laws and the anti-trafficking laws that people often put onto these sort of situations, those laws are still around. Like trafficking has its own set of laws. Mm. Um, and so there are situations where within the structure that we've got where we talk about um, you know, sex work. There are sex workers who are essentially and effectively being trafficked within their own countries purely because their countries don't allow them to safely work in their own, on their own violation and, and on their own terms. Yeah. Um, I think I went on another tangent there. This is okay. <laughs> often, but there are so many threads going through my brain. Um, we'll get to them all. Yeah. <laughs> But this is, this is why we're having a conversation on it. And, um, yeah, I, and I think if we um, talk more about you know, consensual sex work in its many varieties, um, and this is where it gets weird, particularly because this Epstein story is in America and uh, full-service sex work is broadly illegal in America. Yeah. And so you get people who moralising, who are quite sure they're in the right, and these are not awful people, or at least a lot of them aren't awful people, but they equate all sex work with coercion and trafficking, and they really deny the voice of the sex workers themselves, which where we get the fun acronym SWERF. Yeah, they're my favourite sort of, they're my favourite people, they're my favourite acronyms. Describe the the anti-feminist feminists really. The, the SWERFs are the sex worker exclusionary radical feminists, um, and the TERF are the trans exclusionary radical feminists. They're basically feminists who deny certain women certain rights because they don't believe that either they are women when they, on when it comes to the trans um, SWERF TERFs, um, or they they believe that all sex workers are you know coerced and and forced into it and if we say that no we're actually quite you know happy in our work or anything then um you know we're we're victims of false consciousness and we, we've been brainwashed into thinking it um and that you know it's it's hard you know one of my friends used to say to me all the time you know sex workers can't have a bad day at the office like and and that to mean that you know when you're a sex worker everything has to be you know, to, to the public and to the world, just so we can exist. We have to be, oh, it's great, and I do it for the sex, and it's beautiful and glamorous, and, oh, I go to these great hotels and everyone's fabulous. You know, if you say, oh, my God, it was such a horrible night and I saw the most disgusting, smelly guy and, oh, and it was horrible and then I had to got caught in the rain on the way to somewhere else and I smelled like wet dog, but whatever you say that's bad they're like well you know you chose this and it's your you know or or you know well you could just leave the industry it's so bad and all that it's such an exploitative you know situation that you're in um forgetting that almost every single job on the planet is exploitative and and that people most people would leave it if there wasn't the promise of that paycheck every week um but for some reason for sex work if you don't enjoy it then you must be you know, downtrodden and wanting to be rescued and needing this kind of, you know, white knight fucking angels with cupcakes to come in and save you. Um, and if, you, if you're if you not sort of the happy hooker all the time, yeah, they kind of come at you. And, um, and so it makes it really hard for people to sort of, you know, to when we have these conversations about trafficking versus sex work, um, if you've just mentioned that you've had a shit night or you saw a crappy client or, you know, you hate your job, this gives voice and fuel to this swerf argument that 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 all people who are in sex work are forced and hated and are denigrated and um, forgetting that, you know, like I said before, I, I don't know of a single full-time checkout chick that wouldn't leave that job immediately if, she didn't need the money <laughs> or he or you know it's such a it's 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 a hard kind of you know you've always got to have that mask of of glamorous happy hooker face because otherwise you know the the rescuers swoop in <laughs> yeah I, i've literally never heard uh, an anti-sex work argument that 
can't be equally validly applied to a whole swath of other jobs. You just take the word sex out of the sentence yeah, and the yeah. sentence is the same. It's like some sex workers are exploited. Yeah, some workers are exploited. Some sex workers feel trapped and they don't have a choice. Oh, some workers feel trapped and they don't have a choice. Some sex workers are exploited and abused by their bosses. Some workers are exploited and abused by their bosses. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's not to brush it under the carpet. Yeah, I was just saying it's really frustrating because um, it and it and it takes away from the fact that we have real workplace issues that we would like addressed in certain ways, you know, and things like our safety and the laws and being able to, you know, if something does go wrong, whether it's an assault or 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 something physical or a theft or someone breaks into your car even you know the sex workers find it very hard to report crimes against them um regardless of whether it's a sex crime or just a physical uh, another sort of crime and not even that happens at work you know sex workers are afraid of, of police in most sort of situations because just in and it's say in america you know i mean in australia it's not as bad in most places but in in america if you happen to be a sex worker and you go to the police for something completely unrelated that someone broke into your car and stole your purse and blah blah and it turns out and find out that you're a sex worker you can be arrested and you know have your kids taken off you and have your you know your bank shut down all your accounts and you all these just ridiculously awful stupid things happen because you you know went to the police for something or or you know and it can happen in medical situations in in hospitals you know in the emergency departments and things in certain places you know you, you or, or or you know mental health facility you go in there to to get help and they find out you're a sex worker they sometimes will turn people away because well it's just your job you know you don't actually have mental health issues like it's really bullshit that sex workers have to put up with all of this crap just because of one small factor of their life is how they earn a, earn a living. And it's, yeah, it's bullshit. And even actually on the trafficking side of things, if someone is obsessively, you know, I'm a champion of trafficked sex workers because it's horrible and exploitative, and they're not at least equally a champion of other trafficked workers, because all across, to a really extreme degree, I know, through Asia and the Middle East and to a lesser extent in places like uh, America and even Australia, there are domestic workers who are basically trafficked illegally and, yeah, they have their passport taken from them and they're violently abused and threatened and they're never paid and they're never allowed to go anywhere. And they can't go anywhere. You know, like people like, say, Ashton Butcher, who does this whole, you know, real men don't buy girls sort of, and it's become very sort of popular in this sort of anti-trafficking, anti-sex slavery thing, which which I, I, you know, all sex workers want an end to trafficking and they want an end to sexual slavery. Like they they really do because, I mean, it's, it's that's not sex work, that's rape and that's not what we are, you know. So they all they all want that end. And so but then you have sort of, yeah, so you're Ashton Kutcher, fucking white knight rescuer of all these women sort of, I just think, you know, I bet he's sitting there typing out this shit on his iPhone that was made by some, you know, seven-year-old kid for two cents a day that's been trafficked and taken away from their family while he's wearing his fucking whatever Nike Calvin Klein bullshit that's also been made by a trafficked worker who is exploited in terrible ways in a in a sweatshop. And I just think, no, and then says nothing about the fight for decriminalisation and the fight for human rights um, in those sort of ways. I just think, well, no, you're just a posturing fucking asshole that's making, you know, yourself look brilliant because the world has this weird hang-up about sex. You don't care about trafficking and you don't care about exploitation and you don't care about the, the people that are being forced into labour unless that labour happens to be sex and you can't tell the difference between the forced labour and the consensual labour because you've just put it into this one big umbrella. And that's and that sort of thing, you know, it's like the Lena Dunhams and the and the people who sign off these kind of, you know, foster and sister um uh, kind of, you know, agree with these bills in America that have really created awful situations for for sex workers, especially the survival sex workers and the the 
non you know you know almost every sex worker um is is an average sex worker you know they're sort of they're they're just paying the rent they're just doing the bills they're just the, the glamorous thousand dollar an hour in the penthouses they're very rare and yes they exist and they're good on them doing their job but most sex workers are just average joes and it goes down the line until you've got the survival sex workers who are the the most needing of this I guess fight um, for their rights, and that fight is not to get rid of their jobs. It's their fight to create this um, decriminalised industry where they can work safely and get the help that they will need if they need it for any any reason. And that's all of us. I mean, that's all workers need that the safety of the protection of their workplace and the security of a bank account and the security of help when they need it in any situation, whether it's medical, mental, financial, whatever. And yet, you know, we we ex it, we we treat these people like idiots and we treat them like they're exploited and and need to be rescued rather than, you know, just offering, you know, giving the 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 freedom of of choice and and proper proper laws and and regulations around or, or decriminalize decriminalized their their work mm. yeah and I, I, I will admit to you in in the past um uh, i would have would have been in the camp of saying no one wants to do sex work they're all being exploited to some degree that just makes sense because you know, I'm thinking if if I, if I consider the idea, if I feel like I was being forced to have someone, to, if I was being forced to have sex with someone in a situation I didn't want, I'd be ooh, awful. And that that was, I'll freely admit, that was a position of ignorance. That was, uh, I'm old enough, you know, was at uni in the 80s and 90s with um, old school uh, second wave feminists and uh, they were very strident about this and I was like, yep, you make a good case um, because I'd never talked to a sex worker. And then the magic of the internet. Yeah, that is so often when you talk to somebody who has these very strong views about sex work um, in that sort of way and you ask, oh, well, have you ever met a sex worker? And most of them haven't. They might have watched a documentary. They might have read a sob piece. They might have, you know, um, read that kind of pity porn that the rescuers like to to purvey. And and there are some really sad, awful stories out there of, of things that happen to to sex workers within, you know, um, very rich Western countries such as you know Australia and and Canada and and America and stuff. Um, but you also find, yeah, that these these most people that most of the rescuers have very limited um, experience with actual sex workers, and 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 deliberately so because mm. tried to speak to to rescuers and cupcake girls and and pink crosses and you know those sort of um, organisations to sort of say, look, I, I get what part of what you're trying to do is is comes from a good place but do you see how it's actually can be quite damaging and quite sort of offensive and and you know you get blocked and you get yelled at and you get called you that you told you're brainwashed and told that you're you know an agent of satan and or whatever they want to throw at you you know that really you know hurts you right deep in the heart um but it's frustrating because it's like you you're only listening to the bits you want to listen to it's like israel falau with his bloody you know covered in tattoos and having his hair cut and quoting the next line that says well you can't be gay but you know it's that sort of cherry picking of crap um and not listening to the whole kind of story of, of the sex work experience because that it was the, the the sex work experience of a whole kind of uh goes against or or is is sort of um fucks up everything that they're trying to say and do because it doesn't actually match their their point of view and so they won't listen to it and they yeah block and delete and abuse it's fun yeah i think it was it was probably through twitter where i actually got to see first-hand voices of sex workers and it soon became apparent it's like oh and i've seen a bunch of these people and if i dared to say 
you don't have agency. It <laughs> snapped me in half. It's like, yeah. it's like incredibly strong-willed, independent people who are definitely in control of their lives. And it's like, okay, maybe um, shouldn't try and speak for these people. Maybe speak with people who have a lived experience. Yeah. You know, and it's getting better. It really is. You know, there are far more voices out there and far more, um, I guess, platforms willing to give those voices, uh, let those voices be heard. Um, there's still a long way to go, though, because those same platforms, there are, there are, by that same token, there are just as many loud voice turfs and swerfs and, and bigots and fuckwits out there that have almost even bigger platforms and more mainstream platforms in which to spew their vitriol and 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 misinformation but you know we get we're, we're getting there and i think you know there's been some really big leaps and bounds in um um in sex work activism and stuff and especially with you know i mean you know one one step forward a hundred steps back and you know we have these great voices and great stuff and then you get the foster sister bullshit um in america which was sort of to fight anti-trafficking and all it did was you know um possibly lead to the deaths and murders of quite a few sex workers and the disappearance of sex workers and the loss of sex worker income and the loss of sex worker safe spaces and the loss of sex worker advertising platforms and you know uh, the, the, the bullshit goes on of what that sort of has done and, and did um and all without sort of you know this with this ridiculous where there were already laws around trafficking and around that sort of stuff that didn't need to come into the whole back page stuff, which is where it all um, focused its um, its wrath at, at first, this sort of advertising platform that was a, well, a den of trafficking, which it just wasn't. It was just where sex workers advertised. And I think I don't think there was a single trafficker that was, you know, or, or single kind of, sex trafficking ring that was busted because Backpage closed down. It just it just fucked up the the job for a hell of a lot of people. Um, yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've seen multiple analysis of the statistics in America since those laws were passed. And even law enforcement is acknowledging trafficking's gotten worse. It's yeah. because um, both voluntary and uh, uh, coerced sex workers have become even less likely to go to the cops. So people who want to exploit, hurt and murder sex workers uh, feel like they have this extra level of impunity now because well, it's even less you know, than the cops. One of the interesting things, which is, is also one of the horrible things, is when it came into effect and that page and all the advertising platforms kind of disappeared, there was a huge influx of pimps uh, sending messages and texts to, to independent and private sex workers saying, hey, now that you can't advertise, now that you've got no platform, now that you've got no blah, blah, I'll look after you. Um, and so all it really did, yeah, it just pushed a whole bunch of uh, sex workers out of work and a whole bunch more into dangerous situations um, and did absolutely nothing to combat trafficking. And, I mean, the problem with America, though, is because of these laws and because of the you know, I hate to say it, but the fucking fake news media, you know, you get these things like the whole Super Bowl thing where they, they go on every year that Super Bowl um, is this sort of mid kind of hub for trafficking and for, um, you know, young people to be taken in and taken out from other countries and from America to be trafficked in for just sex work and all. And it's just, it's kind of, you know, yes, there is quite a large influx of sex work that happens around that time, but it's sort of similar to the same influx of sex work that happens when Parliament is sitting in Canberra, you know, because there's a lot more people there and there's a lot more people with money and there's a lot more people there. There's not a trafficking thing. It's just the fact that whenever a big event happens in a in a city, the sex workers often benefit from the uh, tourism and the, and the influx of, of people from other places. But um, so, yeah, and the, the Super Bowl gets it and there's another one, I don't know, I think it might be, I don't know, what's the baseball one? Great. World, World Series. Series. Yeah, I think there was something about the World Series being a big sort of hub um, or magnet for, for trafficking and it's just bullshit. It's just the, the media like to create sort of these um buzzwords and fear and who do we hate today and who can we be angry at today that 
isn't the people we should actually be angry at um and it's and it sort of all, always comes down to to the sex workers and uh, in those sort of um in that sort of hatred week yeah well, it's, it's it's a very dramatic story, and um, the media like to, even if they're not actually lying, they like to exaggerate, and they like to have a black and white narrative. Here's yeah. the baby, here's the baddie. And with something like sex work, they feel quite comfortable in creating a narrative around this bad. Yeah, absolutely. it's like drugs. It's it's similar to the, especially when we say like weed, which is so harmless and so kind of nothing in the in the land of what we actually have that we can buy over the counter and consume ourselves um, for, for very you know for, for legally and and cheaply. Um, so there's this demonising of it, and it's and it's a it's a tried and true bring people together to fight against the non-existent fear that sex work brings or that marijuana brings or you know that gay people bring it's just this it, it unites bigots um and small-minded idiots and and that sort of you know become the way of the world is uniting small-minded idiots into um into hating onto onto some sort of you know a minority or a thing that that can be easily easily created as a monster and sex workers have very little voice and have very little rights and and there are so many thousands of them that you wouldn't know if you you know it's that whole thing of someone you love is a sex worker um and if 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 you don't know somebody in your life that is a sex worker then that probably means that there's something unsafe about you because there'll be somebody in your life that works in some way in the sex industry and if you don't know it it's because they don't trust you enough to tell you and that's probably something you should think about <laughs> in your in your you know because everybody's worked in in some aspect of it you know or knows somebody who has um but yeah um i lost my train of thought going on to my little soundbite there that we can surely use for something that's, no, no, that's good. There, there's an interesting there's a conversation going on in the chat i said i'd keep you abreast of this oh, yeah. um, and uh leanne's asking the question about when there is uh, a, a legalized uh or decriminalized environment and in a lot of states in australia uh brothels are legal they're regulated um but legal uh i don't think it's universal yet but in many australian states they are and the, the question is um, <laughs> how much better does that make it for the workers do you, do they generally feel safer do they feel like they no, can speak out situation then no i mean certain workers do in a legal situation feel a lot safer um than, than others so say for example the difference between um sydney and melbourne melbourne has a legalized system um and, and new south wales has a decriminalized system so with decriminalization it's it, it, there's still the legal side of it with legalizing though there's not always decriminalization so so say um a, a, a brothel a licensed uh worker so if you in, in victoria you have to have a license to work which is a big problem for a lot of people they don't want to be have a license they don't feel like they need to have a license um uh, it can be quite although you can sort of hide your name on the license register you know there's freedom of information acts and things people can you know find out there's um and there's a lot of people that can't you know that don't want to get the license or that that, that can't for other reasons then they might be a, an immigrant and don't have the right correct visas and all that stuff um so 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 you've got to say a, a licensed sex worker with her sex swe number something goes wrong in her life whether it's a work situation goes wrong or a, something else like we we're talking about you know the car gets broken into or whatever they're going to be far more likely and, and able to go to the police um, and feel more safe doing so um, and not feel like their their particular job will will affect any of the outcomes of what might happen in a in that sort of sense or in a medical sense or going to see a mental health professional or all that sort of stuff. But then there are a lot of workers in Victoria who aren't licensed and then they face those criminalised aspects of their work so the the people that work down in st kilda it's it's not legal to to solicit on the streets so that comes into an, a, an illegal situation um and they would not ever go um you know 
well, they wouldn't, but, you know, it's very rare that they would go and seek help or at least or feel comfortable in um, saying what they do for a living um, or anything like that. Um, whereas in, in New South Wales where it's a decriminalised situation, so the, the work is not criminalised. And so there are still, because people sort of talk about, sort of say sometimes, oh, well, if it's decriminalised and it's a free-for-all, then what, you could just open a, a, a brothel anywhere and, and you know, you wouldn't have any kind of health and safety things. And that's not the case. I mean, you know, everybody in, has, there are situations and, and limits and laws within all, within all industries. Um, but say I'm a hairdresser and I want to work from home, then I, I can do that. You know, there are certain things I might need to check off in a, on a box, but I can work from home. I can travel around and work as a hairdresser in my car, in my caravan, and do haircuts at caravan parks if I wanted to travel around Australia and do that. I could go and set up at a kiosk in the in the shops or at a marketplace or anything like that. Doesn't matter. I don't. I, my work is de, is decriminalised. I'm not a criminal for wanting to cut hair. And that's sort of if you put that onto sex work, that's the that's that's basically what it is. So you know, if you if I was had was in a decriminalised state and I had a, a sex work room at my house, then and somebody came in and, and fell down the stairs because I hadn't, um, you know, set up a barrier properly or whatever, then they could sue me for you know having an unsafe workplace or whatever. Um, and that would come under all those normal laws and regulations that businesses do. But my job would not be part of what is illegal there or what I've done wrong there. So I don't, I don't know if I'm explaining it sort of well. Basically, um, I mean, there would also need to be, if, if we suddenly decriminalise sex work today across the board, which would be wonderful, there would have to be a hell of a lot of retraining going on in legal situations, in medical situations, in mental health situations and all that sort of stuff to kind of come up to date with the fact that it's just somebody doing a fucking job and it's not a, you know, a criminal activity or a mental health issue or, or whatever um but so so the, so what, what so yeah i think did i answer the question i think so i mean the, the, the terms <laughs> the, the terms decriminalization and legalization confuse the hell out of a lot of people they yeah. don't know the difference if, if, if i understand it right legalization means there's a legal framework to perform the work but it's heavily regulated and quite constrained. And the simple act of performing sex work can be a criminal act in itself if you're outside of those legal boundaries. Whereas a decriminalised environment, uh, doing sex work, you can't face criminal charges just for doing sex work. But if you have a business set up, you're subject to the same constraints as basically any businesses. Like, uh, yeah, you know, a, a, a checkout um, isn't uh, policed the way uh, a legal brothel worker in Melbourne is. Uh, but yeah, if you if you're running a retail operation, as you say Sydney is decriminalised. If you're running a retail operation and you're doing something dodgy or unsafe in the terms of running your business, you'll face prosecution. But just running your business doesn't get you yeah but part of that is not well and he's a pharmacist you know so that's going to add to the you know to the punishment um if he's selling meth out of the back of his um pharmacy then yeah that's the crime but him being a pharmacist is not a crime um and then you know and you've got people also that come at, at sex workers and try and push the nordic model or the swedish model which is it's, it's such a confusing way they try and sell it as well. It's basically, no, no, sex work is fine. We're just going to criminalise your client. You can sell sex, but you can't buy sex. It's like, well, hang on. That, I, I, that makes no sense to me. Like it was like I remember years ago when I was in high school, smoking was legal at 16, but you couldn't buy them until you were 18, and that never sat right in my head. I was like, well, how does that work? So I can legally smoke at 16, but I can't buy And And it's that sort of idea of, you know, and, and in the Nordic model, one of the biggest issues is that the 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 police that are supposed to be the, you know, the, the protectors, also sort of become the prosecutors and become the the um, the hunters, um, and th that's that's no you know the, 
to me, government and police and, and all that sort of stuff, there should be as minimal interference in our lives, you know. I make sure my school, you know, for the government, I think make sure my schools run and my roads are safe and my infrastructure works well. But I stay the hell out of my bedroom and keep out of my job and keep out of my, you know, personal habits of, of things that I want to do. And I think the police should be there to, you know, solve crimes, not... Um, you know, arrest people for just making a making a choice that of how they want to earn a living, and that's how it comes under when it comes to the the Nordic model, where you've got um, sex workers being told, "Yeah, sure, you can you can do your job," but in everything that is around that is criminalised. So the clients is criminalised. The 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 being a oh, what what's the term? It's like um, if you benefit from sex work then you are then criminalised. So, for example, you know, you're a sex worker and you're married and you help pay the bills, your husband is benefiting from prostitution, your husband can go to jail, your kids could be taken off you, your landlord can kick you out because if he's receiving the money for the rent that you've made from sex work, then he is, you know, oh, it's just, it's insane. And yet people try and sell this as some kind of great, you know, saviour for sex workers when it's probably... You know, it's always worse than than you know doing illegal. You know, it's just it's it's insane how people kind of try and infantilize, if that's the word, I can never say it properly. Sex workers into sort of you know, oh, they're there, they will will help you, and we'll show you how you do your job, and we'll hold your hand through it, and we'll make sure. You know, it's just like fuck, just let us get on with it for the most part, you know, and and let us pay our rent and feed our kids and you know the shit that we just that everybody has to do that has a job and another variation of the um weird double standard laws that i've heard and i think this is accurate i don't think it was just a joke but of course at least in i'm not sure if it's across the board but at least in some areas of the u.s it's legal to make porn. I think it's actually across the board legal, but maybe it's there's different restrictions in different places. But it's it's legal to make porn, to pay people to have sex on camera. And so yeah, I've seen this done as a joke. It's like cops kick down the door with this couple having sex and going, you're under arrest. You're having sex for money. That's the crime. And then they point, no, there's a camera. We're making porn. And the cop goes, as you were then, and <laughs> lets them go because making porn's legal. Um, so just adding a camera makes the situation legal. Mm. It's like, I mean, you know, there are so many different reasons that people have sex and just so many of those times, you know, the, 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 it's a transaction of sorts of, you know, of it, uh, the minute money comes into it, people get so weirded out and disgusted. Um, and, and you know, the, 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 we live in this money-driven capitalist society that, that creates this need for us to make money. Um, and, you know, women's bodies are exploited constantly, you know. It's like, oh, women should, you know, we 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 oh like like this argument that the feminists that the swerfs often have is that you know women should be able to live their lives and use their bodies exactly and women's bodies are their own and their temples and they can do whatever they want and sex workers are like oh okay well I'm a sex worker like, well no not like that only yeah. that we say that you can you know and it just blows my mind that we that, that these voices these voices are still so loud. Um, and have still saying the same bullshit. Um, but, yeah, like I said earlier, we're starting to get louder on the um, the sex worker voices and the and the activist voices and the um, minority voices in all in all senses, whether it's you know sex work or other um, other minorities um, and and marginalized. I don't want to say minorities, marginalized. I think is the word. Marginalized people. Marginalized groups. Um, that, and, and misunderstood as well. I think that's, you know, something that that really irks me is the constant education I have to give to anybody who doesn't quite understand the, the you know, the, the massive umbrella that sex work and the sex industry has, but also, you know, the, I, I just get sick of people ask me, oh, but why? Oh, but sure, you know, oh, but you're such a nice girl. Yeah, I'm really nice and I'm even better 
when you win the cash. No, <laughs> it's just, oh, and that, oh, you're just in it for the money. Well, yeah, mate, it's my job. It's the only reason I get out of bed in the morning. Like, oh, you tell me anybody who does their job, for, would do their job for free. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I will show you a liar. <laughs> Talking about the voices and the anti-sex work voices, um, and in any argument, a bad faith argument really pisses me off. And people who evade when you ask them a simple direct question and they evade and flip back to their talking points, I'm going to go on to someone that you're probably more aggro at than I am, but I fucking flip my shit whenever I see her on TV. Uh, Melinda Tankard Reese. Oh. Oh, can you not say that? Yeah, go on. Last time I was unfortunate enough to see her, because, like, she makes me so angry, I'll, I'll switch off. She was on the drum on ABC, and it was a talk, it was an audience panel talk, and good old Tom's there talking to people. And oh, my lovely friend Lucy was on as well. Who was on? Lucy, my friend yes. Lucy, but yes, see, that's the last time I ever watched her as well. I yeah. think I, I am never, ever, ever giving this woman any kind of air ever again. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the people Lucy I recognised. episode, that was. Mm. There was Lucy, uh, there was uh, Brendan McLean, who's a musician, not a sex worker, although he d did do the fabulous gay semiotics video for one of his <laughs> tracks that was it was inspired by that 70s gay se semiotics thing with the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. panky in your pocket meant and then he acted them all out in the video including getting his head pooped on at the end of the video and that stayed up on youtube for a good week or two before it was taken down um which is a bit of an achievement quite honestly um but yeah they're in there and i remember one particular point where um she's saying uh got to stop all porn got to stop it it's all terrible it's all exploitative and i think it was lucy who calmly said you need to accept that that isn't realistic um uh erotica and porn have always and will always exist it is it is absolutely unrealistic to say stamp it out that cannot happen. History shows us that can't happen. So what we would you support people in building an ethical framework? Because I work with people who work in an ethical framework. Mm -hmm. And that was a really simple question, and she refused to answer it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just flipped straight back to her talking points of, it's all exploitation, you've got to stand and back. And that is find in almost every debate uh, with a swerf, um, against sex work or pornography. Um, Gail Dines or Deans is is very similar as well. They just will not answer the question because they, they can't. There is no answer to that. I mean, you know, I wrote, I've written quite a few pieces on, on the whole porn harms kids um, mm. rhetoric about, you know, we, we should get rid of porn because kids are watching it and it's fucking them up. And, and my first thing with all of that is, Porn is not made for kids. So stop using children to, you know, to, to try and sort of, you know, create your argument against this. You know, alcohol is really bad for kids. Cigarettes are really, well, cigarettes are bad for everyone. But, you know, there are a lot of fucking things out there that are really bad for kids that we don't run around banning because kids are possibly getting access to it. We, we work a way, we try and find a way to create you know, safety messages and barriers and boundaries and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so that's my first argument against the porn harms kids. And the second thing is, is if we are, they are accessing it, yes. They're seeing stuff that turns my hair a lighter shade of blue, you know. They are seeing, and I talk to young people a lot about what they're seeing, and it's pretty full on. And the ones that aren't fucked up about it are the ones that understand that that's full on and they have had chats with their parents or have had a decent kind of sex education within their sort of um, home life or school life that has let them know that if you come across stuff like that, 
it's not for kids, it's a bit full on, it's not realistic, it's not um, what is expected of you. Um, and the kids that have proper education and proper um, understanding of these things usually don't actually even seek out a lot of that full on stuff. They'll still be seeking out porn and they'll still be, you know, checking out boobs and vag and dicks and all the stuff that they want to see because that's what kids, teenagers do because they're curious is what adults do, it's what we all do. Um, but this this sort of idea that of, of banning it to me is this sort of we're shutting the, the gate way after the horse has bolted. The porn is there, the culture is there, the, the, the porn stars are there and enjoy their work and want to do it. And hello, background person. Yes. <laughs> this, this is what happens when I record in the kitchen occasionally someone said but they've become very good at making sure um, their face doesn't appear on camera they're very good at it oh that's hilarious but <laughs> also what are you saying the people who were in the you know the band porn camp besides the unrealistic nature of that they're also nine times out of ten if you say hey let's have a frank and open discussion with teenagers about porn they lose their shit. They lose their shit. And I know that from the SBS special that I did a few uh, a couple of months ago on the feed, um, all about teaching kids about pornography and the and the prevailing kind of um, you know epidemic we have of kids having an internet thing in their pocket that they can see everything on um, and more. And so we need to have this conversation. And and I you know, after that show was on and following the comments and seeing the messages and the things that I got and the articles and, and sort of things, blog posts that were written about it, you know, there, there really is this sort of fear that, that, that I, I don't even know what the fear really is because the fact is that even this, this Christian website that wrote this whole big sort of piece about how awful I was about wanting to show young people pornography, which was never something I said anyway. I never said I wanted to show it. I just said I wanted to teach about it, and I, you know, um, and, and educate that this stuff sort of exists. But, um, but yeah, they, they just, they're, they're hysterical about, oh, my God, porn, porn, porn. These kids are seeing porn. These kids are seeing porn. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they are. I'm like, oh, the kids are seeing porn. And now this person wants to teach them about what they're seeing because the kids are seeing porn. I'm like, yeah, well, what would you, what do you want to happen? And I actually, on this Twitter conversation with him, I said, what do you think would be the right thing? You're telling me that me sitting down with a group of teenagers and saying, hey, there's going to be some shit you might see that could be quite confronting and this is what it's all about. Okay, fine. You don't want me to do that. What would you suggest? And then he went on about fucking God and moral centres and, and all that. And I'm like, no, no, that's not answering the question, though, because you've already acknowledged that young people are viewing this. So now what do we do? What do we do now? You know, yes. you can't go back in time and not let them not see it. They've seen it. What do you want to do? Fucking no. God, 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 oh, with your God. If he doesn't have a solution, I don't, it, it means nothing to me. Yeah, some people are very good at the denial side of things. The idea that you can put the toothpaste back in the tube after you've squeezed it out and... You can, you get it in your pocket and you kind of switch, like little bits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now that's actually sounding like sort of specialty <laughs> porn at that point. <laughs> anyway, yes, no, I know what you mean. You can't put the egg back in the eggshell. You just can't. Yeah. It's there, so let's look at the egg and, and and figure out what to do with it, you know? <laughs> Let's humpy dumpty this shit, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, the whole repression thing. It was like going back to what we were originally saying, like if someone champions themselves as uh, a warrior against trafficking and exploitation and all they ever talk about is sex workers, go, I don't think exploitation is your problem. I think yeah, you've got yeah. a weird fucking problem with sex. And you've got a, and you've also got a bit of a boner for being, you know, seen as this white knight against sex. And I think that's a lot of it as well. It's this kind of, I'm the hero, and I'm going to save the London ladies, and oh, the damsels in distress. And it's it's so offensive to me um, because there are so many people in this world that are that are exploited and trafficked and slaved and and treated horribly for their labour. Um, that have nothing to do with sex. 
Um, and until we we recognise that, I think really these rescuers, they'll you know, and, until I will not have a place for those people in my in my sort of you know, you're doing good work um, meter until they also start storming, you know, um, sweatshops and tech factories and that sort of stuff. And most of them, you know, when it comes to rescuing these these women in these situations in, in you know, other, other countries like Cambodia especially, um, there's, there's big rescuer kind of missions that go over to Cambodia to rescue the poor sex workers. And they sort of take them out of these situations where, where they're actually earning kind of money and feeding their families and, and you know, and they might not be the best situations in the world, but, you know, it's a it's it's a living and it's a life and it's and it's something that they're you know doing and then they're pulled out and they're sort of taught how to weave baskets to sell to tourists for far less money than they probably would have made doing you know and and working for these sort of rescue organizations now in a second kind of slave labor kind of making beads for for you know precious white women who want to you know feel good about themselves and it's horrible it makes me so angry that you know these I had a friend a while ago who's not a great friend anymore <laughs> but who went over and did one of these rescue missions and while while I was working quite quite heavily full-time as a sex worker as well and I remember saying to her what are you doing if you not listened to me have you not have has nothing that I've ever said about this shit got through like it was really I was quite offended by it and she was out there asking people for money and and you know save the girls and I really it really was offensive <laughs> I've, I've read some terrible stories about the rescue organizations and it, it's it's largely across Asia like everywhere from South Asia like India and, and Sri Lanka all the way through East Asia Southeast Asia yeah, um, yeah. where in some cases because they found it exactly as you said like you know they these women were not in a great situation but were actually getting money and getting money to their family so when they were quote unquote rescued and then given no support or said, hey, go work at the Nike factory for five cents an hour. Um, they were like, wait, this is worse. Um, yeah, yeah, going, it's not worse because yeah, you're not having sex. Yeah. And that's the thing, the fixation on the sex, it's like you're actually putting them in a worse situation. And there were cases where it's like their rescue centres, the women were held against their will yeah. These rescue centres, <laughs> and they said, "Your own good, though it's for your own good." Because they were going back to the brothels, going, "Well, something's clearly wrong, so we have to hold them against <laughs> their will." So then, so what's wrong about white women and fucking with your bullshit colonialism? Get the fuck out, and and let these women go back to work, and you know, put food on the tables. For God's sake, get over yourselves. Like, fuck, you want to rescue that bad, go to RSPCA, get a fucking cat or a dog, set up a little sanctuary, go and rescue all the little kitties. Mm. They, they need it. Yeah. Well, hey, look, we're coming up on the hour. Um, and there's a, there is actually one good question uh, that I'd like to round okay. off on. Uh, uh, Leanne, who's been very active in the chat, she said she has a problem with the sex industry generally being controlled, dictated by men, which I think <laughs> is possibly broadly true. But if someone wants to be a bit more ethical, I think you know a couple of people you could um, uh, point them to. Uh, well, what uh, situation? I mean, are they talking about pornography in, or sex work? I mean, it, sex work, find, um, find a private individual sex worker and then you know that she's or he is you know getting all the the funds and all the um and everything they're not sort of passing anything on to an agency fee or to a brothel fee or, or something like that um read sex workers ads um and and respond accordingly for if they say text only then text them if they say call only then call them if they've got specific times that they're available don't try and contact them out of the time and don't try and haggle their fucking prices find someone within your budget um when it comes to porn um ethical porn that's that's brilliant and feminist you could also you could go looking at individual pornographers like say lucy b um or um 
Oh, there's there's Mickey Mischief is a really great um, BBW porn star. Um, oh gosh, off the top of my head, I'm all on the on the thing. But then certain companies like so you've got Bright Desire is a is a fantastic feminist pornography company. Permission for Pleasure, which my beautiful friend Morgana uh, owns and runs. Um, Light Southern is another Australian ethical feminist uh, porn company run by run by a woman. Um, they, they, they're out there. And if you just Google ethical pornography and feminist pornography, uh, people often think, oh, feminist porn is all just going to be like girls playing with hairy bushes and shaving, not shaving their armpits. And, yeah, you know, sure, there is that. But there's also, you know, the right wide range of porn that, you know, everything. Um, my, my main thing, I would say, is always pay for your porn. Uh, because because that helped create a far more ethical um, industry and, and the, the money is always goes to the performers and to the producers and to the people who are creating content rather than the web hosts or, or whatever. Um, so always, yeah, pay for your porn and treat your sex worker with respect, pay them their fee, tip them well because, you know, they, they, they this is their income um, and, yeah, be be respectful of of everybody's boundaries and everybody's what they say on their their ads. Yeah, and if 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 you really want, you you went a slightly different way to what I thought you were going to say when you said, "Oh, wouldn't feminist porn just be?" I thought you wouldn't feminist porn just be stomping guys' balls or something? No, 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 no. And that's out there. Is that true? That's my favourite line. If, if you really want a refreshing thing, you know, just um, find out about an independent female dominatrix who specialises in um, just putting men through the ringer. That's probably yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Well. Like, you know, the, the main thing is do your research when, when you're looking for, for stuff. Don't just go onto Pornhub and type in big boob babes or whatever because a lot of the stuff on Pornhub is, is either stolen content or it's, it's not... Um, the, the people who are who have created it are not are not making any money out of that. Um, so I would always search for the if you have a porn star that you really like, then search for that particular porn star's own website and own productions. So many of the the people out there now have their own companies, their own webcam stuff, their own Snapchats, their own everything. And and I think that's a really ethical way to begin, you know, without having to sort of do anything more than you would normally do on your on your wanking schedule and just it's is just pay a bit more and pay a bit more attention to to where your where your um money and stuff is going when it comes to to porn and with sex workers there yeah, read the ads and respond accordingly. Mm. I, I think that's an excellent way to round out this little chat. Uh, in summary, respect your sex workers and pay for your porn. Yes, <laughs> like that, and that's, that's not I was supposed to be doing that. I'm all pushing this camera is doing my head in. Yes, respect your sex worker, pay for your porn. Mm. All right. Well, I hope uh, people have gotten something out of this talk. I certainly had a lot of fun doing the talk. Yeah, we'll be doing it again. Uh, I'll see if we have time on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that up, it should be fine. But yes, and once this is out in podcast land, I've been doing talks with various guests, um, but Eva's definitely uh, going to be a regular. And um, we hope that you tune in again soon, but we'll say bye for now.